Welcome to all our listeners out there. It's great to have you along to this week's edition of the Who You Come Home podcast. Hope you are doing well. What a crazy week it has been. Uh, of course, with the United States elections last week um, and a uh, Trump winning. Woo, man, how crazy is that? Uh, it's been a, oh man, I was glued to my TV for, for two days just uh, watching what was going on and listening to the Globe's response to it. Such fascinating stuff. Uh, and then of course in New Zealand we've had these earthquakes which has caused, um, yeah, thankfully not too great a loss of life, um, um, but has caused big, pretty big infrastructure damage across the country actually, even up, all the way up here in Raglan we've... Uh, our power, our, sorry, our water supply has been damaged, so we've been on boiling water for three days. But anyway, it is what it is. Look, uh, let's get straight into this week's. Of course, I'm interviewing Erin Lucas, my wife, about the dream she had eight years ago of uh, a, a, a chicken and uh, a huya, two birds, um, of course. Um, and so she unpacks that. But first, we do start off with a little discussion on United States politics. Seeing Erin is from America, we thought, well, let's have a little uh, quick chat on that. So anyway, get in there, have a listen, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Kakite. Okay, firstly, I apologize because my nose is a bit stuffed up. Um, so anyway, but but we'll get through this. So um, kia ora, Erin. Kia ora. It, oh, oh. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who don't know, um, I am interviewing my wife right now, mm. so this is going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm on strict instructions not to do any wife-husband banter. He said that I was supposed to pretend I didn't know him and keep a professional. <laughs> That's going to happen. So, um... Man, uh, modi order to all the people down in um, Te Waipounamu with this earthquake um, that's been on this week, and people in Wellington and Nelson. I uh, hope it's going. Hope the week is um, yeah t- t- uh, translated to be okay for you guys um, here in Raglan. Our water supply is affected, so um, we can only drink water, drink or drink. Drink the water, can't shower with it, and all that sort of stuff. So we've got to conserve water at this time. So anyway, um, but so here we are today, um, interviewing Erin Lucas or Erin Morales Lucas, as she likes to go by, <laughs> which I'm totally cool about. Um, it's my name. Uh, yes, it's been a fascinating week since our last week's interview with Brad, uh, and of course we've had. The U.S. elections. So, I thought it would only be natural to see Erin. You are from America. I am America. I don't know America. anything about politics. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who'd you vote for? Nah, that's a bit personal. That's a bit personal. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you who I didn't vote for. Who didn't you vote for? I didn't vote for Clinton or Trump. Oh, really? But you did vote. I did. Vote oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that's that's interesting. So, uh, I mean, because it's been such a big thing on the world stage, it's it's kind of a cool thing to talk about here. Um, how have you felt? Like, what what's what's been the journey for you in this last week? <laughs> I felt embarrassed. I felt really embarrassed. Um, 
Oh, I think it's a bit, I think it's a bit hard. Um, oh, it's just a bit hard to see your nation look so silly, really. And, um, you know, I was just in the States a few weeks ago and it was, it was, I'm really glad that I was there before the elections because it helped me get perspective and to remember what America's all about and that it's, we, we, we see things, we, we do, we do get a different story outside of America. Right. You know, you, you do feel things in a different way when you're on the ground. Um, yeah, so it helped me to have some perspective probably because I've, you know, I feel a lot like a Kiwi too and I feel a little bit irritated with America lots of times. Right. I'm an insider and an outsider at the same time, so that's a bit hard. Right. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, what do you feel about Donald Trump being the president-elect? Oh, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked. And, and, and I'm a bit embarrassed, yeah. Well, right. more than a bit embarrassed. I'm, I'm embarrassed because I just think that we have... I, I think America's full of amazing leaders and amazing people, and I'm just trying to figure out why we have someone who says such embarrassing things. <laughs> Um, and represents us in that way. Um, that that's 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 hard for me. That's sad because right. I I know that that's it doesn't represent it doesn't feel like it represents who America is for me. Right. Um, down I mean down here of course in New Zealand you know Clinton is pretty much the candidate. But you said you wouldn't vote for Clinton. So what I mean what's your re- what would be your reasoning for that? I don't trust her. Right. No. Um, and you know. And it's, 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 and I want to be fair, like, you know, you, you only see, for both Clinton and um, Trump, you, you only see what's portrayed on the media and that sort of thing. But, you know, Hillary's been in the public eye for a long, long time. And, you know, you, I just can't say that she's, um, has a, a reputation that you feel like you can trust. And then with other, you know, email scandals and other things that have come out, um, the more that I learn, the more I, I just, yeah, no, I don't. I don't trust her either. She's sort of. Um, she sort of represents all of um, sticky politics that um, I think America needs to escape from and right. kind of have a restart, yeah. hit a restart button. So in that sense, I understand why people are voting for Trump because we do. I do. I do think we need a total revamp on right on on political things in the U.S. Um, and and I don't think Clinton would have. I think it would have been kind of carrying it like you know politics right. as, as normal, right? Um, and, and but politics is normal in, in in also some pretty corrupt ways too, right? Um, so I would have loved to have seen an Amer- um, a woman president, and I think yeah. that, that day will yeah, come, and hopefully awesome. will come. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you know there's some things about Hillary I'm sure are great, but no, she right. wasn't my so, favorite. Um, you know this. I mean this podcast. You know, as as about Christian theology and a Māori worldview and New Zealand culture, um, that sort of thing. But for, you know, being an American and living outside of the states for so long, you know, you you left home when you were sixteen, sort of. Thing. Um, like I, I'd be interested in your reflections here now, knowing that maybe some of our friends in America might even listen to this. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. but but what's your take on sort of uh, like American? Christianity, um, you know, from from the bottom of the globe. 
Oh man, um, are you, that's a very big question. You're saying American Christianity like across the board, or are you, are well, you no, like a as it, as, it, as it regards to politics, to politics and the election and stuff like that. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Look, I grew, I grew up. I don't know if anyone actually ever explicitly told me that I had to be a Republican if I was a Christian, but it definitely was in the it was the feeling in the air. And it really comes down to the abortion issue. Um, from my understanding, a big part of it is, you know, um, Republicans have been opposed to abortion, at least, you know, in the public eye and in a political sense. And um, whereas Democrats have been pro-abortion um, or pro-choice. Um, and so as, as, as a Christian growing up in the States, I was pretty much, you know, I was told, you know, or got got the very clear message that I really didn't have a choice. Right. Um, that if I was, if I cared about life, if I didn't want to be a murderer, then I needed to align myself to the Republican Party, no matter what. And right. so I think I didn't grow up with. Um, with with really thinking I didn't really care about politics because in my mind it was like what well, was just a moral I had to vote a moral issue and so I didn't dig any deeper into what these political parties were about or even how politics worked it wasn't until I came really well I, I, traveling helped broaden that a bit but it really wasn't until I moved to New Zealand and saw how the political parties worked here and also how Christians can vote for you know there's there's you know you just you can you can be a Christian and vote for any party, yeah. really, and that's okay. There's discussion around those things, and so it's really opened up my understanding. And I still think the abortion issue is a tricky one. Um, I definitely do. But what's what what um, and I, you know, for the record, I'm I'm pro life. Um, I'm also pro choice because I think it is important that women choose, and I think that um, choose. <laughs> My hope was that they would choose life, but I but I think um, we've turned what is a very um, I think very complicated moral ethical question. We've tried to make it very very black and white, and we've politicized it so much. And we've also said that that one issue of life and death is more important than wars. It's more important than the way that we treat people in the Middle East. Um, and those and, and those casualties or those deaths um, are justifiable um, for the Republicans, <clears throat> but abortion isn't. And I, you know, I'm simplifying things, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> I can imagine. All. <laughs> but 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 just but you know, let's just say that I I just think right. it's really 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 good to have healthy open conversations and to be able to talk about these things right. and not not to be told not to feel like you have to vote in a certain way just because of one issue that there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of things that need to change. Oh, Kate's bot, Kate's bot. Awesome, Erin. Well, look, um, we've had Alistair, we've had Brad, and um, I have really, really been looking forward to this interview and sitting down with you and asking you particularly about your dream. So for those of who might not be aware, um, the whole phrase of who you came home who you came home came out of a dream that you had that Aaron had back in 2008 um, so 
I just thought um, it would be good for you to talk about that. Um, f- for those of you who want to read about the dream, you can go to whoyacomehome.co.nz and look for search for the link called essay and download a little bit of. There's actually, there's actually a whole post just on the dreaming, right? Uh, if you just search true. dream. Oh, okay. Or just search dream. But, Erin, um, why don't you first tell us the dream, and then we can talk about it. Well, it won't take long to tell the dream. The dream was really short. Um, yeah, I was pregnant. I don't know. That's the context of the dream. As I was pregnant, I was taking a nap. I don't normally take naps. Um, but yeah, no, I was on Great Barrier Island. We were out there for an event and I was tired. So midday I I took off and um, laid down and um, had just, just, just kind of drifted off to sleep. I mean, some, you know, I was, I was not in deep sleep, um, but I had a really vivid, vivid dream. And um, in it, I was standing at the window, looking out of the room that I was sleeping in, which was at Arama on Great Barrier Island and I was looking out the window and out front um, of that building in in real life not just dream world there is a very very large Pahutakawa tree um, that's as tall as the building that I was in so I guess that's what two or three stories high a really big beautiful tree so um, in the dream I was standing looking out of the window um, looking at that tree and but the interesting part um, was that there was a chicken, um, and not an itty bitty normal sized chicken at the bottom of the tree, but a chicken the size of the tree. Um, it sort of reminded me of the Muppets. That Muppet. <laughs> what what movie is it? Where the Great Muppet Caper. Is, or, uh, you know, like when the I don't know Gonzo's, the Gonzo's girlfriend <laughs> chicken gets real big. There's that. What's her name? Matilda. I, no, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, there was this just very very large, and that's what I did. I laughed because Clementine. Cl- <laughs> Sorry, I just I just had this you know because I was I was I was um, I knew I was dreaming. I just drifted off, and um, this all happened in a split second. And I just and it was just absurd to see a chicken that big. <laughs> As I giggled, and then um, then I heard I, I heard a voice say "Huya," and I and I knew straight away. I don't know how you know these things, but I. I was had the conviction that it was God's voice that God that He said "Huya," and I woke up it was kind of in a start, um, and yeah, it was very short. It took ten times as long to tell the dream than it was to actually right. have the dream. It was just a bit of a flash, <laughs> right. you know. Right. Um, but um, I sat up in my bed and I thought, well, that seems significant. It's funny. I get these dreams sometimes that are significant, but there's always this embarrassing element. It seems it's a bit hard to feel like you're being going to be taken seriously if you tell someone that you've had a picture of a very large chicken. <laughs> um, so, but um, and I didn't know. And the other thing was, is I didn't know what Julia meant. Right. <laughs> I didn't, you know. So I know I was thinking, well, maybe it was just a bit of a pregnancy weird hormonal dream, <laughs> but um, I couldn't shake it. I just couldn't huh. shake the feeling that that God was actually saying something. Um, or was it? What does it come to mean? Like for you, what does it? What does it mean? I, you know, for I think for me, the dream um, has been such a kind of a beautiful lesson in in how God speaks to us, how God speaks to me, and um, I think just as important as sort of my interpretation, what my interpretation has become over the years, has been the journey that that dream put me on. Oh. The, the journey itself, the curiosity hmm. that was provoked within me, um, 
was just as important, if not more important, than actually what I've come to think that the dream means. If that oh, makes sense. Okay. Oh. Because because I um um you know I'm American and um you know just to give a little bit more context, like um we were what well, we were out at Great Barrier Island. You and I were running an event um for. I don't know, young Christians to come and talk about church history. And yeah. that was, wasn't that the first year? The first one about New Zealand. Yeah. So it was the first, Zealand, yeah. yeah, first year that we decided to talk about New Zealand church history. And, um, you know, we'd done these events for a couple of years and what the year before you had come to me and you'd said, um, I, you know, you'd said, Aaron, I think that God's telling me to, that telling us to do the next sojourn event on New Zealand church history. And I remember thinking, I just was so, it was so left field to me, like, but you were so convinced that God spoke to you. So what am I going to say? You know, like, <laughs> no, like I, it wasn't that I, I wasn't opposed to talking about New Zealand church history. It was just that I had no interest in it. Right. Um, and I didn't see why that would be important, really. Um, right. Or, you know, not. Yeah, I just it just was just too outside of my framework. And um, and so even having that dream that summer, I, I kind of when I had the dream, I knew it probably. It seemed to fit within the context of what we were learning about New Zealand church history. Right. Um, and yet I didn't know what Huya was. And so right. I, it set me on a journey of, go, what is what is a Huya? Um, and then when I discovered quite, you know, I just took a Google search to find out that it was this extinct native bird. Um, then that spun me out because I was like, well, maybe why did I, like, I, I, I remember Googling an image of the hooey cause I was like, well, maybe the hooey kind of looks like a chicken. <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> and when I saw a picture of the hooey, I was like, it couldn't look any different. You know, it's just, it's not a chicken. Like I, you know, I tried to convince myself, I was like, well, maybe I just got it wrong in the dream. You know, maybe my, you know, cause I knew that I heard the word hooey. So I, I, it spun me out for a good year. Of going and within that time, yeah. the, the more I learned about the Huya, though, even though I didn't understand the dream, I just couldn't get over this bird and the sadness that it was lost and everything it represented and the fact that it was totally not not in the psyche of New Zealand. Right. Something that was such a beautiful treasure right. and such a big part of the identity of Aotearoa. Um, and so it was in that it was it was it was that journey of sort of sadness of. Of a feeling of of loss and beauty and why isn't it here? I think that whole the whole next year of feeling that and holding that was um, did something to me. Right, right. Um, so what do the two birds? Yeah. Represent then and leading into I mean it, when because I want to come back to that when it says it, it did something to you. Mm. So you, I mean, what do the two birds represent and then what did it do to you? So I think, well, it was a good year of a lot of research. And, you know, when I first started researching Huya, I'd get online and there was like, you know, there was a Wikipedia article, maybe, you know, and a couple other links. And there was, there was a, I, I think I found an old postage stamp image and maybe one or two. And then, but every, every month or so I'd get curious again, I'd get back on and I'd look and there would be um, more images like I, within that year and over the next couple of years, um, painters you know people started painting the right. people started um you know now we've got tea towels and all sorts of stuff but at the time there just wasn't anything of the huya anywhere so by the end of the year i felt quite confident of like oh i kind of i i get what the huya represents you know i i i'm 
but I still was really puzzled about the chicken I, oh. and, and kind of embarrassed about that part of the dream. You know, oh. <laughs> like why not, you know, just, or just felt silly to me. It didn't, it didn't match the significance that I felt with the Hilya. And, um, but then what you, you were out having a coffee with a friend and happened to mention the dream. Cause by that time you, you were kind you were differently intrigued by, by the yeah, dream for sure. for sure. So it was a shared thing. You know, by then, but neither one of us could figure out the chicken. I think we had different theories on what the chicken was. Um, and you came home from that conversation. Um, that friend had just said simply, "Oh, well, the chicken, the chicken's an imported bird." And it was just that it was just that one statement yeah. that the penny sort of dropped for me um, because I because because I uh, this the, I saw this contrast between something that was really that was indigenous and um, lost and beautiful in this treasure compared to something that, um, you know, no, you know, nothing against chickens, love yeah. them, but they're, but they are imported into New Zealand. They're not from here. And, um, but, but that's not, that's not the sad part. The sad part is, is that chickens just shouldn't be that big on the landscape <laughs> like it was distracting you know like what? they shouldn't be three stories you know like when i think back now about the dream and the view that i was looking out of in the dream it's um what's that that's karaka bay is that right yeah, yeah. and um that bay i mean that view is one of my favorite views in new zealand it's stunning but in the dream all i saw was the chicken because the chicken completely filled the frame of the window right Right. And I saw, I, I saw the Puhu, the Puhu tree gave me reference point of how big the chicken was, right. but the dream, I, I was, I, it totally blocked the landscape. It's all, it was dominating. It right. was, if I think about what the chicken was in the dream, it was, it was ridiculously large to laughable. Like it was yeah. laughable. Like I feel yeah. like to the point where you feel bad for the chicken. Right. They go, oh, chickens aren't supposed to be that big. Like this isn't anything against a chicken, but that's not fair on the chicken either. Right. Like it's not fair right. on a chicken to be that big. Like, right. like what do you do with a chicken that big? Um, it, it's, it's not normal. It's not what it's supposed to be. It's not in its natural state. But the other, but the, also the other thing about the dream and then the other sadness is that the who hu- is not in its natural state. It's gone. Right. So you have this real picture of uh, this real contrast of imbalance right. and, um, and going, oh, this this feels really unjust on every level. This doesn't feel, it's not natural. It's not what you're supposed to see when you look out the window in New Zealand. You're not supposed to see a chicken looking in at you. Right. Um, you know, there's if you're going to have a chicken, it, it needs to be pecking happily at the bottom of a pahutakawa tree. Right. And so it... it and this idea that it was imported and, and then kind of marrying that to the idea of culture, I think that just came naturally. It wasn't right. like, you know, for me, dreams, um, you know, a, a dream it should is pretty simple and obvious. So like an interpretation you, of a dream should just be pretty, like, it's, it's obvious. Right. And so when, when, when I heard it's imported, everything just fell into place for me. Right. And I think you can just keep digging and digging. What does that represent, though? What is that t- to you, the imported idea? I, I think it's a, it, the imported idea is, is anything that's been imported into New Zealand that's not indigenous, that's not from here. Um, so there's, there's, there's two things. Whereas One, the Huya is indigenous. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm, not to, I'm not saying that everything imported into New Zealand is wrong. I think you have to, you have to right. put that Absolutely at the scale. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm imported and I am a chicken. But I would hope that I'm not growing larger than the landscape. And so, so it's. I think it it represents. Yeah, it represents colonialism. It represents a European 
worldview. Um, it represents Americans <laughs> coming in with McDonald's. It re represents American Christian denominations coming in and taking over a New Zealand way of doing things. Huh. Um, it represents, you know, um, I think it's it's not just it's not just um, it's not just the chicken. Right. It's it's actually it's it's what what bothers me is the size of the chicken. Right. I think the dream would be a very different thing, um, if you if it was just a normal sized chicken and the hui wasn't there, then you it was then you'd go, oh we got to get the hui back, but at least the chicken is operating like it should be operating. Right. But that wasn't the dream. The dream was not only do we have something imported, which is that's that's one thing. There's nothing necessarily bad about anything yeah. being imported. Like we all, you know, yeah. we need things from other countries. Yeah. That's great. It's when it, it's that domineering, oversized, unnatural, overlarge. It's really the domineering. And and even if you like I started doing a little bit of research just on chickens after I'd done all this research on Huya. And um you know, chickens are now in the world the most common bird in the world the most it there there's more chickens in the world than anything else and a lot in of any other bird in any other sorry yeah, not yeah. anything else <laughs> but than any other bird right you know and so um it, and then you know you have sort of in the nature of chickens quite a different nature than a huya bird whereas the huya was um you know known for its friendliness to to its mate, but also to humans, and sort of this relational quality. Whereas chickens, <laughs> chickens are all about their own, really. Like the the whole pecking order, right? The the whole idea, the you know, the phrase pecking order comes, comes from, from chickens. chickens who actually can literally peck each other to death, <laughs> if, you know, when they get a little bit out of hand. Um, you know, <laughs> poor little guys. Um, so I just I think it's a warning. I think it's a big and it, and for me as an American, I hold that I, I really feel the weight of that. Right. Because I go, um, you know, I'm conscious of my accent even in New Zealand lots of times. Yeah. You know, I'm conscious that I that I'm even though I've been here fifteen years, that um that I represent this world power. Um, whatever that means. <laughs> Apparently the greatest nation on earth, according to all of our politicians in the U.S., which I don't know what that means either. Um, you know, we represent this big empire, this big thing, and um, it, it, I, I don't know what the point is, really, of why we need to throw our weight around like that. So, um, neither do the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, um, yeah, I, I like what you said, uh, you know, before about it's not so much what the dream means, but what it's done in my life or uh, something like that. Um, like, you know, so 2008 to 2016, it's eight years, you know, so, you know, I mean, what has happened in your life? I mean, what is this, what has this dream done? What is this dream doing in your life? Mm. Um, it was only just recently that I was reflecting on the dream again and I was thinking of the symbolism of me standing <clears throat> standing and looking out of a window um, and because there's all these like the, the dream is just like there's all the, there's just very few little there, elements to it you know there was a window there was a landscape there was a tree there was a there was a chicken there was the voice of the you know the sound or the the name of the huya being called 
And um, but just recently, just in the last few months, I've been thinking about the significance of me standing at a window looking out, um, and and how much that has felt like um, it's represented a, a bit of my journey as a person, um, feeling like I'm I'm um, kind of on the outside or looking into something, looking through something. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I felt like that a, a lot in my life because of, you know, I've, I've moved around a lot and, um, my sense of home has always been sort of fragile, right. <laughs> moved around a lot as a kid and, um, and also just traveled a lot. And so my, my identity, even as an American has always been a little bit funny. Like I, I don't, I don't feel at home in the States really. Um, but I don't feel whole you know, totally home always in New Zealand either. I don't, there's, so, um, but that's a long way to say that I think big, uh, one of the big things for the dream personally over the last, what would you say, eight years, Mm. um, has been for me to, um, I think come more at, and more at home in my own skin, who I am as a person. And, um, and I would say that if I was to have the dream again, like now, I don't think I would necessarily be looking out of a window anymore. I think okay. I would be huh. in the oh, landscape. I think I'm not just an observer okay. um, anymore. And that's come through a lot of, you know, like I said, like when you first suggested having a, a, an event on New Zealand church history, it was sort of like, I just, I just the, the feeling was just a bit of a shrug of the shoulders to go, well, Jay's the Kiwi, you know, Jay's Maori, like he knows this stuff. Like, I don't know, I'll just like, whatever, you know, we'll just go with the flow here. And I think for many years, even as we were learning more about New Zealand history and culture, I mean, for years I've watched you grow and grow in, in your culture as, as Maori. And, um, I've appreciated that. Like I've, like, I thought it was really cool, but as an outsider looking in, um, what, one of the things, one of the significant things that I think that this dream has done for me as an American, um, has helped me understand what it what it means to be American. That American right, doesn't right. M- doesn't mean that I need to be an overgrown and large chicken. That that's not good for me as an American. Okay. Not only is it not good for the world, but it's not good for me as an American. And it's and it's shown me like I I never ever before this dream or before this journey that I've been on never seriously considered indigenous culture within the United States. Right. You know, I've, um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, um, surrounded by Native American art and culture, um, and galleries and all sorts of around me. And, um, not only did I not, wasn't interested in it, I was a bit put up, put out by it. Like I didn't like, like, and no, I I don't know where this comes from, but I, I didn't, it made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable. It was something I didn't understand oh, really? that wasn't talked about, and it made me uncomfortable. Right. And um, and possibly even there was racism there. I don't know. I, I, I just think it was just more like um, that wasn't something that was talked. I didn't, you don't hear it talked about at school. Um, didn't hear it talked about my family or a church or anything. What's interesting is I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a kind of a very multicultural tradition within church and my family my mom my mom grew up in Africa my dad is Puerto Rican and um we were involved in you know 
Christian missions and right. going all over the world. And so we talked yeah. about culture all the time. Right. We right. love people from different nations. We're constantly <laughs> talking about the world and culture and everything yeah, okay. that was out there. Um, I don't ever remember really having conversations about what was from America. We watched Little House on the Prairie. We read all the books. <laughs> now, now I've read some of them. I'm like, oh my goodness. There's like some... There's some interesting ideas in there, you know, <laughs> like they were scared of the Indians and, um, well, there's mixed human right. books. There, there were some of the friendly ones and the, you know, I'd love to actually go back and reread those book with a different mindset, right. you know? Um, yeah. Right. Maybe Little House on the Prairie gave me my ideas of Native Americans being, right. um, scary people that right. were going to, you know murder the white people or I don't know <laughs> like, but 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 what it's done for me big thing, I mean I now when I go back to the states I just I'm drawn towards um anything that I can learn and understand more about Native Americans oh. I have I I um I I want to know I want to understand I want to um I want to see that change in the U.S. right to see that that those people the, the people in the culture huh. honored and right. and then and then that that's that you know that's the mainland US and then I, I, I I'm from Hawaii I mean that's where my family moved and settled and, and grew up um, from when I was 10 years on to 10 years old onwards um, and you know I think I had a different sort of appreciation for Hawaiian culture but again, was like the observer looking right. into something. Right. And I'm embarrassed now when I think about some of my um, perceptions or my ideas. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, I think I kind of just thought that I understood something about Hawaiian culture. Right. When really I look now and I, I understood the, a touristy sort of outsider perspective. I never, never, ever bothered to learn really anything really depth of Hawaiian history or culture. Right. Um, never considered really learning the Hawaiian language or anything, right. even though I thought it was beautiful. Um, I, it, yeah, so, and again, so now when I go home to Hawaii, um, I'm, I'm drawn in, I find myself being drawn into conversations, into relationships, into, into different perspective. And I know that if I was ever to go and spend significant time in the States, that um, I would be a different type of American <laughs> I'm different and okay. and and I like more of a learner like I I really want to I, I feel like I'm I I don't really feel like I know in an indigenous way what it means to be American and I right. want to know what that means um if okay if um, if that's your story and that's what it's done for you I mean what does that to you what does it say about the place of Aotearoa and the place of Maori in general, like, do you think that there's something here to help the world see themselves deeper? Or, or I don't know. Is that a loaded question? <laughs> yeah, it's a totally loaded, is that a loaded question. question? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I mean, it sounds yeah, like what you're. What, uh, uh, abs right. uh, absolutely. Um, as <laughs> I, I, I think you know, and and I don't know that we have long enough time in the podcast for me to get into everything, but you know, my first sort of. <laughs> You know, my first sort of experiences with Maori culture when we first when I first moved here were again with. Oh, pro tell us about that. You really? Do we have time? <laughs> tell, tell us about that. <laughs> oh, you know, like I was reflect. I, you know, we were just well, we were just out in Taranaki last week. Um, you know, at Oa Marae, staying there and stuff. And I haven't I hadn't spent the night on Marae for 
many years. And I was, I was kind of in an embarrassed way thinking back on my first sort of experiences on Amarai. You probably don't even remember. It was right after we met. And um, we were staying on the Amarai in, in um, South Auckland. And I think because we were there for that big uh, conference, they hadn't done a proper right. pulfery. They had just sort of like, or they did some sort of welcome that I probably didn't really pay attention to okay. um, at all. Um, because I wasn't actually on the Malai. I'm not sure how they did it. Anyways, and then we ended up... So in my perception, my, I, it was just... It was, it was just like a camp. It was just a place to stay the night. Like I had no concept oh. of the culture. I had no... It was just... It wasn't anywhere in there. But I remember making... Because I was, I was kind of leading the event there. Well, and I remember... Truth, I, remember um, I remember trying to get everyone's attention in the Farikai. And... I don't know, we were, it was after breakfast or something, and I stood up on a, um, I don't think I actually stood on the table, thank goodness, but I stood on the bench um, to make my announcement, and um, you and I barely knew each other. You ran over to me and picked me up and pulled me off the I bench. Did? Oh my gosh, so fast. <laughs> okay, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I remember being really like... I can't remember it. I remember being flustered, you know, because... And I remember that I thing... I bet you were. Oh, that <laughs> handsome. Oh, we're not supposed to go there. We're, no, we're okay. supposed to pretend sure. that we're so not married. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but... Um, but if I reflect, like that feeling inside of me of... Of, um, of going, oh, what did I do wrong? Like, I didn't know anything about the... Like, I'm just trying to give an announcement. Like this, this annoyed right. feeling inside of me. And this kind of put out feeling of like, I'm not doing anything wrong. This is fine. I'm like, like, what's the big deal of standing on something, you know? Um, and yet there, that, there was that part of me. And then this other part of me going, oh gosh, should I just deeply offend the culture? And, but, but how do I go forward um, without deeply offending the culture all the time? No. Because I'm not going to have I don't have any road. I don't have a roadmap. Like no. I have no idea what's offensive or not offensive. No. You know, so this mixed feeling of like, um, oh, like give me a break, like lay off. Like it's not that big of a deal. Um, but then kind of curious, but going, gosh, if I go down that track, I'm going to look like an idiot over and over and over. And so then of course, you know, long story short, we get married and then, you know, and then I, you know, when, when I married you, I, you know, of course you're a cute brown boy and I, you know, I know that you're Maori because you're cute and you're brown, but, um, but I, you know, and I, you know, from being from Hawaii, like I was familiar with, right. with some elements of Maori culture, but only like in a luau sense right. of pretty girls dancing with their poi balls and, right. and muscly guys doing their haka and isn't that cool. Um, I I, there, I I didn't know anything more than that. I right, thought and okay. I and and I thought that I did. I thought that I was really cultural. I got this down. I got this down, Pat man. Yeah, I did. You know, to some degree, I thought. Yeah. You know, I traveled all over the world, and I was really like I got. I had the cultural sensitivity thing down. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> um, and but but it was but but when I married you and moved here, and I realized that you were on the beginning of a journey of really discovering what it meant to be Maori. That freaked me out. Because I just thought, well, where am I in the... Like, I'm not Maori. And this culture freaks me out. Like, I don't know anything about it. And um, I'm not I'm not attracted to... Like, to be honest, I'm not even attracted to it. Like, it's right. not... The, 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 the carvings look freaky. You know, they scare me. <laughs> um, 
you know, big eyes and things sticking their tongues out at me, you know, like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, and so, but, um, but I was, <laughs> somehow I was stuck, you know, I was married to you and I loved <laughs> you. And so I, um, I kind of had no choice but to go on that journey initially, um, because we were married and, and I loved, I wanted to love all of you and all of who you were. And so I entered into that. Um, but nervous, beca- nervous because I thought, well, what if, what if I, like, what if this Maori thing, what if it takes over me as a person? Like, what if I have to, like, learn the language? And what if I have to actually start acting Maori? And then, and, and um, it's funny. It's <laughs> oh, like, it'd be such a stress. Oh. <laughs> oh, the world would fall to bits. I mean, that's where I was at, though, like, what, 14, 15 years ago. Right. I wouldn't have vocalized any of right, that. Yeah, right, true. I wouldn't yeah. have vocalized any of that because yeah. you don't say or being that able, sort of stuff. Being able to vocalize. No, I wouldn't yeah. have been able to. Yeah. That was just kind of yeah. like, um, you know, the nervousness and the fears. I remember one real significant thing that happened though is when we were engaged and um, we were with YWAM. That's Youth of the Mission. Mm-hmm. And Christian Missions Organization. And we, I remember we, they were doing a pofuri for us because I was like, you know, uh, Jay was involved with the ministry and they wanted to kind of welcome me as the fiance in. And uh, I didn't really think much about it. And you didn't either. It was just sort of like, oh yeah, some protocol thing that we're going to do. And um, and I remember we walked over and that would have been, I think that's the first time I ever remember, maybe even the only time that I remember like I was specifically, me as an individual has ever been welcomed into something. And really, I look back yeah. now and realized it wasn't just welcoming into Youth of the Mission or anything. Um, Chris was welcoming me right. mm. into the land. Right. And I wasn't prepared for that. And, um, of course, he's speaking in Tereo Māori, and I don't understand anything he's right. saying. Right. But I remember sitting there and feeling something and fighting back the tears because I felt something. I felt a welcome. I felt something hit my spirit that I didn't understand and it was beautiful and it was overwhelming and it was vulnerable and I was a bit shook up and I remember you were too I remember we left a little bit sort of a little bit stunned like what just happened um and that was my first sort of glimmer of like well (laughs) um that was was my first taste of probably a real genuine first taste of Maori culture and that that incredible hospitality um and again i didn't understand anything he was actually saying but but a a hospitality in the spirit that did something to me um that that now i can now because i've gone on a longer journey and have more experiences now i get it in a different way at the time i didn't get it but i felt it so i had like those so i had this conflicting thing for years going back and forth of trying of like you know, I, honestly, I would say that if I wasn't married to you, Jay, I wouldn't, I would not never have leaned into Maori right. culture. Well, I may have done that in a different way, in a different channel, but I wouldn't have leaned into it when I did. I wouldn't have started the journey when I did. Um, um, and it was very slow. And it really, the, when I had that dream about the hui and the chicken, one of the things that's really special to me is that it, that dream has pulled me into the story, um, kind of whether I like it or not, but yeah. I do like it. <laughs> but it's pulled me into the story of what the Huya represents. Um, as an American, as an outsider, I'm pulled into that story. And it's 
it's done something for my identity. I'm not Maori. I, you know, I've gone down. I, I, I now walk into the Marae and I look at the carvings and I love them. Right. You know, I love them. Um, I, I, the language, I love the language, you know, just learning more the last six months. Um, I love this language. I love this, this, but it's been like a slow growing love story for me. Yeah. Um, it what like it wasn't love at first sight because I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And really, if I look back, it challenged so much of my big chicken mentality. Uh, and it was okay. my big chickenness that that didn't have the time or day for that sort okay. of stuff. And it yeah. and it was rattled at the thought of ooh, I might have to look in a different direction. I might have to question some things about the way that I see the world. You know, um, but what I've found is that as if, if you could say it as as my as my Western dominant culture has been shrinking over the years to a kind of a more of a natural size because there's beautiful things about Western culture, too. And I think as it's shrinking down For and being sure. able to see yeah. what that is kind yeah. of in its natural right Indeed. state. And it, but as it's been shrinking down, I'm not I don't I don't feel like I'm I've lost anything of who I am as a person culturally or identity-wise, it's been quite the opposite. Like, it's only enriched who I am as a person. And I actually feel like, um, for someone that's moved around and has always teared up at the idea of where do I call home, that those sort of questions are being answered on this journey in really deep ways. Right. In right. really, really deep ways. And um, so I'm getting... So I think for me, Maori, That's pretty amazing. Maori culture has, I feel welcomed into this nation, into these, this people and into this culture. Um, and that welcoming that, that, that I've been given a place to stand. I've been given, I, I'm, I'm allowed to call Kayoi my mountain. Um, and that mountain, it feels more like that mountain owns me than anything. Like I feel right. owned by this landscape in a really incredible way. Huh. And, and, and there's this belonging that's happened for me as a person. And that's that, that, that part of the culture. I, yeah. To, to answer your question, yes, I think. some stuff but what you know what's it done to your life what's it doing to your life more and more um and what, what, is there anything you're learning about god oh yeah um from engaging in the maori world is, is there anything that you're learning more about 
who Christ is, who Yahweh, who Io Matuakore is, mm. um, Wairua Tapu, like, mm. um, yeah, how's, yeah, how's that journey? Yeah, wow. Um, it would I think it would have been the same gathering in 2008 when I had the dream when we heard Alistair and Brad speak for the first time. And the first time um, I ever heard Brad speak, and I don't know if you've mentioned this or whatever, but... Um, you know, he walked in and wrote his whakapapa on two big whiteboards and then spent the what, the next, like, two hours or something? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, walking us through the stories. And, you know, and Brad's just an amazing storyteller. Yeah. Um, it was in no way dull. Like, it was, I was on the edge of my seat. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I've, I've got a really active imagination, always have, and, um, and kind of, yeah, I've just got a really active imagination. And so when he was telling stories of his whakapapa, he's, you know, he's trying, he's, you know, and I, and he wasn't even explaining how he was related to, I don't know, did he talk about being related to whales? Or <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I can't remember what was in his whakapapa. Yes, we did, yes. But it was, we there was definitely some yeah. other creatures, other human, <laughs> other than human creatures. Non-human creatures. Non-human creatures in his whakapapa and some pretty outlandish stories you know that my western worldview just goes either goes just too hard basket or um <laughs> i don't know or run from the room or i don't know what to do right. with you know and, and i remember brad Those just being, screaming news yeah there was, yeah, there was <laughs> eel yeah there was some stuff you know yeah. but i think what it did for me i remember just sitting there and just just slow just just i just went okay just keep listening Aaron. just just you don't have to work this out in your head just keep listening and i remember at the end of that session um thinking to myself my goodness i've grown up in the church I've called myself a Christian most of my life um, and have a really active, alive relationship with God. Like I hear his voice and I have dreams and I would consider myself a very spiritual person, very spiritually active, very right. spiritually aware. Right. I sat there and I listened to Brad and I left going, I'm not that spiritual in comparison <laughs> to the average Maori person. I'm not like I... I'm like, I, the, their whole world is spiritual and I've categorized those things my wow. whole life and it brought enormous freedom for me um, because I do, I do feel funny things or get strange senses or wonder if a ghost is walking through the house or, you know, right. I, I, I've always been like that. Right. I remember when I watched the movie Sixth Sense, it freaked me out like you wouldn't believe because I knew that if I wasn't careful I might see dead people walking around like and I couldn't talk about like I didn't know who to talk about but I was like oh I don't want to see ghosts but I know that they're there <laughs> I don't want to see them I don't know what I'm going to do with it and are they demons like I don't know and it just I mean I couldn't sleep for a month after I watched it um, and some people you know and if I would have told anyone they would have been like oh Aaron it's just a it's just a movie. But I knew it wasn't just a movie. I knew it wasn't just a movie. I knew, I know that there are, that, that there are deeper spiritual things that operate all the time. And then you know, in the church, we kind of try to box these in and label them. But, but I knew intuitively because I experienced this sort of stuff. And so for me, listening to Brad as a Christian as well, like just talking about his vodka pop, just talking about spiritual things, 
I felt a big part of my spiritual journey in all this is that the prophetic side of me, the intuitive side of me, the mystic side of me, which is very strong, but I always felt like I had to keep a lid on it because if I, if I let that out, it was too hard to explain to myself or anyone else. And I, it, it was too scary. Suddenly the fear went away because I, because I was trying, I tried so much my whole life to say that certain things didn't exist that actually just do exist. Right. Because if I couldn't understand them or couldn't explain them or I couldn't find the Bible verse for it, it must not exist. But yet I knew that it existed. So for me, and I'm not, I don't understand, I don't, I, I'm not claiming to have any great understanding of all this stuff. But what it's done for me is to just relax and go, the spiritual, the spiritual world is real. Active, alive. You don't have to be a Christian to suddenly tap into this. It's real as your life. And but more than that, as a Christian, I'm safe in Jesus. Right. I'm safe in Waduatapu, the Holy Spirit who guards me and keeps me safe, so I can go forward. I don't have to keep a lid on spiritual things. I I can actually walk through the spiritual things, the spiritual stuff. Um, because the dilemma that I've always had as a person on the inside is that I either shut that part of me down completely because I don't understand it, um, um, or, or I give myself fully to it. But if I give myself, if I let myself be intuitive and let myself be prophetic, I know that I'm going to walk into a bunch of stuff that's messy that I don't understand that really freaks me out. So I've always had this warring thing in me of like either trying to bottle it up or let it go, bottle up, let it go. And so for me, the, the an indigenous worldview, a modern worldview has so been so freeing for me. Huh. I've realized so much of that trying to bottle stuff up has just been my Western chicken, chicken that's trying to categorize everything okay. and Bible verse everything rather than understanding that Ihu Kuraiti is paramount <laughs> he oversees all of this. I can trust him and I can walk into, or I am walking through spiritual dimensions all the time that are messy, right. that are really messy and are a bit freaky, but he holds me and he, and he will give me wisdom and discernment and understanding and peace. And um, so I think my relationship with God has made a lot more sense. Because it's like he's, he by, hasn't... By observing, dimi- by being in the Māori world. Yeah, because right? it hasn't diminished at all. Like yeah. the, the, the supremacy of Christ has just gone bigger and bigger. Um, and it's because I've taken him out of the box. So this what I've happens. observed, what's really what I've observed that's been so amazing to me, and um, I can think of a number of different... Like, it's, just, it's just an observation of just, uh, just Māori Christian leaders. I, dare I say nonchalant? I mean, I don't mean like like, but just very normalized. Right. Nonchalant's not the right word, but very, like, oh yep, oh yep, that's going on. Oh yeah, you're hearing babies screaming in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, oh you know, it's it's a spirit. Let's just let's just talk to Jesus about this, and you know, take Party communion. Send it on its way. And yeah, and let's just send it on its way because. Jesus is bigger than this. It's just very not, you know, not trying to work not, out if, ah! it is, if it is right. a ghost or not a ghost or how ghosts can be real and why there's Māori warriors wandering around in your bedroom in the middle of the night or anything like this. They tell these stories very normally and mm. then they deal with them in mm. very, like they're the way, very, very peacefully, really. There's an understanding. There's a, there's a, there's a peace. And I, and yeah, I don't, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm just, I've, I've, I've 
I, I think my, 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 the way that I relate to God has become much more holistic. Right, yeah. And on that line, it's funny, I'm thinking right now of, I, I don't know if it's a bit personal, but I, I used to be embarrassed. And some, you know, we'd be walking, um, we'd be walking somewhere and you'd stop and talk to a tree. Or, you, or you'd have a conversation with a flower. And I'd be like... I walk on ten meters ahead of Well, maybe not a conversation, but I do. I've always greeted oh, things, haven't I? Yeah. So Saint Francis. Um, That's true. Uh, but you know your uh, your relationship with creation. Um, how how has the Māori world assisted that? You know, maybe if you think of. Chicken theology, who we are in particular, you know, you know, because I'm, yeah. I'm also asking this question from, you know, a Christian framework as well. Like, how has the Māori world assisted your relationship with the, with the natural world? It's probably given me permission to be who I've always felt like that I was, but I was always trying to hide who I was from my Western culture. I'm realizing that, like, that there is there is a that I I was probably far more in. The, the indigenous way was actually in me far more than I realized. Maybe it's in us all. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm, I'm high, I am a highly sensitive person, you know, like I, like I really am. I'm sensitive to natural things and spiritual things. And so I pick up on stuff, but I think the, um, you know, like you say, yeah, I've always been, I'm not, I wouldn't even say that I'm necessarily a classic animal person and that like, you know, dog slobber really bothers me and I don't <laughs> like the smell of animals sometimes and things like that. But, but I've always felt like, um, I've had an easier time talking to birds sometimes than to people. Like I'll find myself like small talk is really hard. Um, in, in conversations but there's been you know I can think of more than one occasion that I'm sitting at a cafe and I'm having a hard time talking to people around me and I've looked over and little birds hopped up and I've just naturally you know just been very easy for me to go oh hello little guy <laughs> which is probably what you're talking about it's embarrassing for me um uh, so there's I, I know I I think that's the chicken and me that's the chicken yeah. <laughs> um you know so I think um you know, Māori worldview and entering into that more is just, ah, oh, it's just beautiful. It's given me permission to engage with the natural world um, in ways that in, that I've always felt were quite, came quite naturally to me, but were always sort of like, you know, got people rolling their eyes around me as well. Um, if, if they didn't know me, you know, like, oh, there's, you know, a little space cadet Aaron talking to a tree again. I don't know if I ever really talked to trees much, but, um, but no, I do. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a poet and so sometimes I feel stuff, you know, and I, I, I probably, in the last few years, I've had some pretty amazing moments where it's hard to put into words, but it's like I've, I'm walking along and I can almost, I can pick up, I can feel what the trees and the sky is saying around me, you know, and um, I don't, you know, I think a lot of artists, creative types would relate to that, you know, right. and maybe, you know, if you get into, you know, if you hang out with a lot of artists and poets and those types, those sort of conversations are you know, if, if, you, if you say that you felt like, a, you know, that you had a conversation with a tree or wrote a poem about it, I, I don't think a lot of poets would bat an eye at that. That's kind of normal. So what, so, but, so what I'm discovering about the Māori world is not, you know, this, there's this, in, you know, 
this beautiful indigenous understanding of spirituality. Um, but also it's just, it's just incredibly creative. And, um, and as a, as a kind of a creative brain person, um, I just, it's amazing to be part of a culture that within that culture, it's the dominant way of yeah. operating. Yeah. Whereas in my cult, like what my growing up culture, Western, you know, framework, yeah. that being an artist, being a poet, being like that is always on the fringes. And you always feel like you're understood maybe in your little artistic cluster, but you try to explain that to the outside and you always feel apologetic or you always, and, and, and even more so in church, <laughs> um, you know was most of my experience until um, being a part of Edge Kingsland and being around so many um, just artists who naturally just thought right. a little bit more, I don't know, just experienced things in a different way. That was really... Creatively. Yeah, creatively. Mm. So, but, so the, but Maori culture is probably is, is bringing that out in me in, um, in a slightly right. different way. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. So you know, you are American and you have lived here for fifteen years, and you have been, I guess, compelled onto a journey of learning more from the Maori world, and mm. you know, I guess, chasing or well, not chasing, but observing the huia, finding the huia, you know, finding that which is unique and indigenous to Aotearoa, and giving yourself to that. What you know, as an American, I mean, what would you want to say to? New Zealanders about the huia and about this way and about this journey. How would you encourage people? What would you want to say? Oh wow! I you know I think as a you know as a sort of imaginative <laughs> dreamer, um, I would say that we need to. Um, it needs to be a a love story. It needs. We need to press, we need to lean into relationship. We need to lean into the things that capture our imagination. I think if I gave you like a point by point, mm. bullet point, well, this we'll, is, this is what, yeah. this is, this is what yeah, it looks like yeah, for yeah. bicultural relationship. Oh, and yeah. this is how we're going to achieve reconciliation. And this is what the huya yeah. means point by point. So I, I, um, like, like I, like, like and I what said. What if the Māori world doesn't capture your imagination, someone's imagination? Um, then figure out what is capturing your imagination. But I, I, look, if you're, if you're, if you are a New Zealander, um, then there's no escaping Maori culture and the huia, first of all, there's no escaping it. So I, I think you, you've got to start paying attention to the reactions of things that are going on inside of your heart when these things are presented to you, yeah. you know, and, and maybe some of the stuff I've talked about would, would, would be a start. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, sp I'm speaking now, like, I feel like I'm a little baby, um, in, in what I know and understand about Maori culture. Um, but I'm 15 years on in my journey as well of even right. slowly chipping away at it. Yeah. So, I, I think I would say be kind to yourself, but keep leaning in. Like yeah, so, yeah, so if nice. you are being provoked by Maori, Maori culture and it's it's unearthing all this kind of weird feelings of, I don't know, uncomfortable feelings of identity or uncomfortable feelings of well I don't want to be that or I don't like that or I think those carvings are ugly or whatever. I think it's really important to be really honest with yourself. Really, like, like as much as you possibly can, be honest with where you're at. And if you are struggling with those things, 
then let yourself struggle with those things. Let yourself walk through those things. But I, I think that's I think that's part of the leaning into it. You know, we're not we're not looking for a um, I don't know reconciliation on paper. We're looking for something of depth and reality. Mm. When I when mm. I when I talk to people that mm. are really um, have started capturing something in the Huya, it's always come in very personal ways, mm. vulnerable ways. Right. It doesn't come through head knowledge of, well, that's something that was really nice and we should bring that back and <laughs> we should all be learning today on school because that's the right thing to do, to be right. more cultural. That, I, I think that's just ticking boxes. And um, so, yeah, relationship, um, real relationship there's all these there's always mm. nuances and it's different i one thing that i've been really thinking about a lot and this is this is about listening to god speak but i but just as much listening to the people around us speak um and trying to be in relationship with others that think differently than who we are is that um if you're not if we're not talking if we're not communicating then our relationship is a technicality right like the basis of any relationship is communication, yeah. whether that's with that's with God, your partner, your children, your best friend, your mother, right. um, or someone of a different culture. Um, so, and on a so on a big scale in New Zealand, when we're talking about, there's many different cultures. There's yeah. not just European and Maori, but yeah. I, but you have to we have to recognize that Maori culture is. Um, plays a different role in New Zealand than any other culture. And that's, 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 that in itself is really challenging from some New Zealanders and some would say, Oh no, we're just all, but if you, but if you, and if you feel that way to just, just stop yourself and actually read some history books and are honest with yourself, I, I, there, there's no Mm, way that you can see that, Mm. that, that Maori culture is in the same basket of every other culture in New Zealand. It's just not because it's a story and you can't, that's a, you can't eliminate eliminate story. You cannot eat. And as and we can keep trying and trying and trying and trying to ignore the story and not go there with the story. The story is a story is a story and it's always going to be here. That's really good. It's always going to be here. So you may not like the story. You not, might not be comfortable with the story. Um, and that's I you know that's okay. But this but you, but, is but it is the story, and I think that the journey of healing and and eventually the journey towards real relationship is going to be um, kind of tricky and messy. Yeah. But and it's gonna you're gonna have to be really honest with ourselves, and people are gonna be at very different places, and we need to um, really have time and grace for where everybody's at. So like I can, you know I'm. You know, I've got a different story because I'm an American, so I'm always going to see things from a slightly different perspective. I see that, the, you know, the Treaty of Waitangi is very, very meaningful for me as an American um, because I feel like I, um, I'm, allow- I'm really, 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 really allowed to make this place my home because of the treaty. Right. That's what it is for me. And and I'm because I'm a very new immigrant. Under the premise of hospitality. Under the premise of hospitality. Right. I, I, I step back in time to that and imagine myself there and I go on the basis of hospitality and on the basis of of this Maori culture saying no my harimai to me that that's how I take it. Then I step into that and and because of that I feel I feel at home in New Zealand. And I and this has been reaffirmed to me over and over and over in my personal experiences with being welcomed into 
the culture, being yeah. welcomed onto Marai and, and not and in genuine, real conversation in real ways. And I, it, it, what's surprising to me so many times is that as an American, as a newbie who is not born here, um, I can see in, that I, that, that I meet Kiwis who are born and bred in New Zealand that I don't know that they have that same security in their identity right. as I do. Right. It feels like, the, right. and I'm not, and I'm not saying across the, you know, that's not across the board thing, but I'll meet, sometimes I meet other New Zealanders and I hear the insecurity in the voice and that kind of shaking. I'm not, you know, like trying to find, and that's when a really, it comes to Māori things. When it comes to Māori things, but also when it comes to be what it means to be a Kiwi. Right. What it means to be a New Zealander. And I recognize, I think I recognize the insecurity because I've lived with that sort of insecurity yes. myself, going, where do I belong? Am I this? Yes. Am I that? Am I American? Am I, you know, am I from Hawaii? Am I from this state? Am I from here? You know, I, I like, you know, I've been moving around my whole life and lived in England and Russia and, you know, I, I, you know where am I from? Right. So I recognize that same kind of wrestle. And it's a, it's a hard place and it's not an easy place to go to. And I think, and I do think that, News, you know, Kiwis who were born here, they have there, there's and there's extra layers of challenges than I'm gonna have to experience too. Like it's been yeah, a little, it it's been simplified for me. It okay. has. It's right. not as painful for me. Right. My ancestors right. were not involved with the landlords. Right. Um, my ancestors did a lot of other loads of interesting things. In another place. In other places, <laughs> you know, that I have to come to grips with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not personal for this soil. And so I can come in newbie, you know, my, my kids are new, like my kids are Maori. And so, and are New Zealand citizens and yeah. were born here and stuff. So I, I carry identity also in a different way that way. I, look, I really like what you said um, about you can't get rid of this story as far as Maori culture goes, as far as the Maori world, the story is it's written into the story, and so to, for someone to say they're not interested is to say, in a way, they're not interested in the New Zealand story. They're not interested in the story of Aotearoa. I, I think that was quite genius. So <laughs> I, I, on 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 that line, um, and this is a bit of shameless advertisement in a way. Um, <laughs> you and I have battled this last year. Battled. Battled. Aww. As we have, as you have edited a book, yes, that um that um of of I've written, so you've gone through three stages of severe edits, oh, cutting out severe. twenty thousand words. <laughs> so but um, I mean, is it should people look out out for it? Should people yes, read it? they should read your book. <laughs> Absolutely, they should. No, they really Why? should. You know, because I think it will be an. I think it'll be an easy read. Yeah, easy read. <laughs> listen, I, I was just what I was just in paper. Plus. My dad read it in a day. No, listen, I was just in paper plus. No, that's that's not the only reason because it's easy read. But what I mean is that like I was in paper plus um, yesterday, and there was some like like some, some really really, you know, there's some great books right. on the shelf, and they're so big. And <laughs> I know. I mean, and I haven't. You know, I've I've read snippets of things. And they're on my they're on my list of things to do, you know. Um, they really you know I'm gonna get there someday. Um, I don't, but I, what I what I feel like is really needed right now is I need I think we need to get going with this story. And I think what your book does in a really beautiful way is it 
is it helps us enter into the story right now. Um, and so hopefully it'll it'll wet the appetite of Let your audience. Yeah. Um, and plus, it and your genius. Your genius. Oh. You okay. really are. Oh, no, stop it. it's good. No, it's <laughs> no, good. You say really good things. Uh, you say you really do, uh, and and I love and I love seeing. I love seeing. Listen, I love seeing. I love seeing the um the concise and that you pulling all of history. Bam, 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 all of them together. Which means I'm missing out a lot. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. We don't. You know, we don't need it. Okay. You know. Well, maybe you should interview me soon, or maybe we'll get um, Look, kia ora, Aaron. It's uh, I'm I'm really stoked. It's it really is. I mean, for a start, it's an honor to be married to you. But um, uh, I yeah, I think you're inside as a person um, and the way you see the world and the way you see life. And I think way the way God has led you to see Aotearoa, you know, in a way from the outside window, it's it's helping us. It's, it's, help, it, I mean, it's given me language for my own journey, you know, and for that I really appreciate it. And I know for many others too, it's given language. So, um, kia ora, Erin. Thank you for um, coming to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to keep it, you know, we're supposed to keep it professional, okay? Keep it professional. Uh, so, any, any final thoughts? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, people. Um, thank you. Thank you, Erin. Yeah. Um, See you later. Yeah, bye. Kakite. Kakite. <laughs> <laughs>